Canuck Central from the Kintech studio. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, your favorite orthotics provider. Supported by over 1,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. This hour is brought to you by Andrew Sherritt Limited, your plumbing and heating wholesaler, a proud family-owned BC company, helping local business since 1892. Dan Richo, Satyar Shah. I had leftover sushi for lunch today. Leftover sushi? Yeah, is that bad? The rice all uh, rice is all hard. The, why does the rice get hard? It's so strange. It's like sticky rice. Yeah. Once it uh, once it kind of freezes over or cools over, yeah, it's it wasn't anything too fancy though. It was like California rolls and stuff like mm. that. So yeah, I'm not big on on uh, saving my rolls to the next day. It's, it's, you got to have it that day, and that's it. Yeah, like I I've had it's substantially worse. <laughs> it's yeah, it's like nothing <laughs> nothing depreciates. The way sushi depreciates in French the fries. French fries. Well, the thing with French fries is you can throw it into the oven. If you okay. if you take like, the extra step, fryer. yeah, air yeah. fryer, you spice it up a little bit. Yeah, you, you can you can resuscitate fries. <laughs> you can't with the sushi. Fries and pizza, the, you know, like you can't can't be doing that in the microwave. Mm-mm. Sushi, it's uh, yeah, it's 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 tough. It it is one. It's an art ordering enough like enough sushi, but not too much sushi when you're when you're ordering out. But when you order enough to eat it in that sitting, yeah. three hours later, you're hungry. <laughs> this <laughs> is <tough>. also true. <laughs> this is why sushi is uh, can be. These tough. are the struggles we deal with. First world problems, uh, for sure. Breakfast uh, sushi is amazing, Thomas and Surrey. Yeah, if you have sushi for breakfast, but not cold leftover sushi for breakfast, yeah. there's a difference. On, on like the leftover rankings, like the leftover power rankings, sushi is quite low. So if, yeah. if it even ranks. Yeah. Are you a cold pizza guy, Dan? Mm, like the Italian heritage. I'd I'd prefer cold pizza over microwave pizza. Yeah, I can see that. Microwave pizza is soggy and gross. Yeah. It has to go in the oven. Just throw it in the oven. Wait a few minutes. You know, like if you're that desperate for it, then fine. You need sustenance. I understand. Just you, like you know, you can tell there's a pet like you go to a bad pizza joint if it's leftover and the the cheese gets all like rubbery and gross. Mm, yeah, <laughs> not, not good. Oh, you know what? Also, ages really badly in the fridge. A burger. Mm. Like if you get a burger and put it in the yeah, fridge, like the it, sauces kind of get soggy and stuff. You can have just the uh, the beef patty and f- <laughs> put it in the fridge, and then have the rest. But you can't put the whole thing together in the fridge. That doesn't work out. Well. Then you can't heat up like no, lettuce no. and tomato and stuff. Oh That's yeah. Gross. No, That's I remember when I was a kid terrible. once. Um, I went and got like a bunch of. I think I got like three or four Whopper Juniors. <laughs> I didn't finish all of them, so I put like one or half of one in the fridge, and I had to try to have it the next day. It, it, it was I'm like I'm, I'm never doing that. Yeah. Again. Next time I'm just eating the four Whopper Juniors. Exactly, or yeah. like giving it away to some crows or something. <laughs> to be fair, I don't remember the last time I took home a burger and fries and left it in the fridge it's overnight. It's usually just yeah, yeah. it's it's done. Uh, all right, time for the mailbag. Uh, we've got producer Ben and producer Josh behind the glass. Hello. Hi, Josh. Hey, guys. We were just talking. Uh, you're wearing an L.A. Dodgers hat today. Yeah. It just went It went with the outfit. I saw they, uh, they like, retrofitted Dodger Stadium into a Top Golf for this weekend and next weekend. Really? They've done that at a – I think they did that in Seattle as well. Oh, really? At, at one point. Not this year, but at oh, one man. point. They've done it at a few baseball uh, parks. That sounds fun. Just, just a thought. Might be expensive. <laughs> Might be expensive. Field yes. trip for us. We work in radio. Everything is expensive. <laughs> Everything hurts. That's I why we have leftover sushi, sushi. Yeah. today, you know? Uh, all right. What's the first question? 
The first one comes from Craft Beer Guy. Which contract would you rather have right now? Jeff Skinner with five more years at $9.1 million, or JT Miller with seven years after this one? I like JT Miller more than Jeff Skinner. Yeah, I'm still a JT Miller guy. I mean, if you listen to the show, you know that we're not as down on Miller as as some others are. Yeah, especially me. But um, uh, as, as our interview with Cheech yesterday suggested. <laughs> but um, yeah, like I still, like I still think JT Miller is a good hockey player, and Jeff Skinner has had a bit of a resurgence, so he's not like he's played a lot better. But, like, so Jeff Skinner's playing his best hockey in recent memory the last yeah. couple of years, and he's kind of around the pace JT's at. Yeah. Like he's at 39 points. JT has 32 this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, last year he had, he had what, 60-some points? And Jeff Skinner has shown that his game can really like – you, people think that there's a lot of variance to JT Miller's play. There is a massive amount of variance in Jeff Skinner's <laughs> play. Go back to even when he played in Carolina. Now, concussion yeah. issues and everything like that, too. But, uh, No. Answer is no. Big contract here, guy, Jeff Skinner. He also gets to play with uh, Tage Thompson a lot. So until until Bo Horvat, Jeff Skinner had the uh, the ultimate contract year season. Bo's gonna blow it out of the water. <laughs> uh, next one, Allen. Other than not wanting to admit a mistake, why are the Canucks not aggressively shopping JT? If they want to clear cap space and change the culture, seems like a slam dunk. No. Doesn't seem like a slam dunk to me. I, I, I get the idea behind trading JT. It probably is because a lot of our listeners didn't like the contract in the first place. And I didn't either. Um, but you've signed it now. And while there is sort of a open window to potentially shop JT and trade him, I don't know if that is the best avenue for this group to take right now it would all depend on the return of course but i'm not just getting rid of jt just to uh just to clear the cap space and taking nothing back yeah just doing it for the sake of doing it i'm not a fan of um what the canucks need more than anything is they need to win a trade yeah like, they need to have a big trade and that's what we talked about it's like hey if jt's not getting you what you need what you need trade bow and get what you can get like get what you need from that aspect of things and it's like do you trade jt for anything you get just so you can keep bow yeah like, is that what we're doing? Like, where are you getting the assets from? Like, where are you getting those young players everybody talks about? Like, how are you just putting yourself in a position to rebuild the team if you if that's what you're doing, right? Now, if your plan is to just trade JT for anything and trade Bull Horvat and take a long-term rebuild, sure. But that's not exactly what's going to happen here. Uh, the change the culture part of that comment from Alan, you could also do that by trading the captain. Uh, so, the, which looks like the more likely route that this team is taking right now. Next one, Big Sven. Should the Canucks be making the most of their lineup decisions around increasing the value of those that they want to trade? For example, playing Shen with Hughes more often. Yeah, but you kind of need the coach to be on the same page as management on that. And it doesn't seem as though that is the case. Now, hey, maybe it is the case now and things will change and you know they're on board. But one of the things we asked Rutherford was, how much input do you put into roster decisions? He said the coach makes the decisions. Yeah. So, I mean, unless something's changed, I don't think that's... And usually those things can happen, but it's when there is a good rapport between the coach and the management team. You're on the same page and you do these big picture things. Not to say that they may not mention things to Boudreaux that he should be looking to do, 
but I still think it comes down to Boudreaux, at least so far. Um, it's pretty obvious Boudreaux is the guy making the choices, just given you know how he is adamant on trying to you know find anything that works. Loading up uh, JT Miller with Elias Pettersson last night, the way that he was coaching the end of that game. He's still coaching to get this team to the playoffs, and so he's going to do what he thinks is the best avenue to get them there. And I would imagine he sees Shen as a nice safety valve for Travis Dermott right now, even though that might not be the best for Luke Shen's trade value at the trade deadline. Hoffman, what could the Canucks reasonably get in a package for Quinn Hughes? Ooh, um, reasonably get. I would say you'd have to get, well, we've talked about this, three premium assets. Um, you have a, I know... Some are some of our listeners dispute the fact that that uh, Quinn Hughes is a top ten defenseman in this league. At the very least, he's on the fringes. So he has the potential to be there. Like he's not playing at that level this season, but he has a potential to be a top four, def- yeah. top ten defenseman. He was there last year for sure, at least for me. And um, I, like you know, you'd have to get a, a massive, massive haul for that. Two big prospects plus a first. Well, not even prospects, but like you know, like real players. Like high-end players, like we talked about with uh, Nico Heischer and Simo Nemec, as you mentioned earlier in the show. That's what I would. I mean, that's something along the lines. And I don't know if that's realistic, though. Now, if a team is going to overpay for Quinn Hughes and make it worth your while, it probably would be New Jersey Devils. Yeah. You know, you have the Hughes brothers there. Jim Hughes is tight with Tom Fitzgerald, the GM of that team as well. Do they feel like they want to reunite the Hughes family? And is that a team that has extra incentive to overpay to get them? Seems to be a lot of uh, connections with the Canucks and Devils over the last 12 months. There's been some. Hmm. (laughs) Next question. Hmm. Ernest, if the Canucks win the second overall pick, what would you give up to move to the first pick to get Bedard? Nothing, because it's not realistic. (laughs) Yeah, you're not. You you can. There's nothing. I mean, there's nothing that the team getting Bedard would take to move down one spot in the draft and take Adam Fantilli. But, like, okay, so let's say you have... Look, I get it. I get the question. It's But it's not happening. No, it's not. So you don't think a team would take second overall Quinn Hughes, Thatcher Demko, Elias Pettersson <laughs> for Connor? For are are we living Bedard. in fantasy land? Like well, well, yes. No, no number a, one, I, I think the main reason they may not do that is because I don't know if a team has a cap space to take on like $25 million yeah. Yeah, in contracts, that. right? So yeah. I think that's the big thing. Um, but, I mean, sure, th- there's always a trade you can work up. and be Like, hey, would you take this? But given Connor Bedard's value and the pick, of, the first overall pick value and how people view him, I, I just don't think there's a realistic trade out there that they would say yes to. Like, Bedard... Not only from a hockey perspective, but he's at the point where he's good business too. Like most first overall picks, um, you know, Slavkovsky last year, not changing much for Montreal. I mean, they're selling out the Bell Center no matter what, but... Let's say Slavkovsky's going to Arizona. Is Is he helping sell tickets? Not necessarily, but... A player like Connor Bedard? He would save the franchise. You know, he fills a building, man. That's the hype around this player. So from a business perspective and a hockey perspective, it just doesn't make a ton of, su- ton of sense. 
Okay, next question. Oz, how much credit do you give the organization slash management for landing Kuzmenko? I understand it's a free a free find, but does landing a point a game player on an ELC for free while the Canucks flounder not showcase how far away this team is from actually doing anything meaningful? I feel like those are two separate questions so in a way. I think there's a question and a comment. Is that yeah, what it was? Yeah, a I question so. and a comment. So we'll leave the comment. It's fine. You're allowed to make the comments. The question, they, I think they do deserve credit because Patrick Alvin has known about Kuzmenko for a long time and worked that relationship for a long time, and he's been active on it. And the Canucks, you know, they, they traveled. I mean, they flew out to see him and his agent, and then Kuzmenko and his agent, Dan Nielsen, came to Vancouver as well. So they really put their best foot forward to get Kuzmenko here. So I think they deserve a lot of credit. Kuzmenko obviously had Vancouver on his, in his sights, but he could have gone to a number of different places and the Canucks sold him on it. I think the um, the most important part of what the Canucks did to get Kuzmenko is essentially they won him over every other team in the league. You know? Like they, they how many times under the, the Benning era did the Canucks lure a player without having to overpay in free agency or something to that effect. Here was a player that had his pick of the litter in the NHL coming in on a one-year, basically free contract that any team would like to take a chance on. And not only were you on the short list, but you won over the Edmontons and all the other teams that were trying to land Andre Kuzmenko. I mean, to me, that at the time, it said a lot about this management group, uh, and it still does. And also, you know, putting him in a position to succeed, that helps too. They had success with rook college free agents, the previous regime. Like they got Stetcher was from, from here, it's not some other guys too. Yeah. So that's where they had a lot of success. But a player like Kuzmenko, you're right. Like that they well, I mean, not a lot of those guys came across anyways. Mm -hmm. But yeah. Next one. Peter, what happened to Jack Rathbone? He's in Abbotsford. <laughs> He's got five points in 12 games in Abbotsford. Yeah, he's been uh, sort of in and out of the lineup with injury as well. So still a tough go for Jack Rathbone right now. Yeah, and so I've been asking around about his play, and I think there are some positives about his overall play. I'm, I'm interested to see what happens with him next season. Yeah. You know, and I think they kind of want to change the environment in Vancouver before bringing those young guys back in again. I think a lot of those young guys, uh, you know, we've talked about Hoaglander and Kuzmenko, uh, not Kuzmenko, Pod Colson a bunch, but that factors in with uh, with Rathbone. I wonder, because we've talked about Travis Dermott and his potential future with this team. Mm -hmm. and as long as Quinn Hughes, OEL, and Dermott are around, there's sort of a roadblock for Jack Rathbone to get back to the NHL. Yeah. You could play Dermott on the right side, but something's going to have to give. Yeah. Somewhere, something's going to have to give. Sonny, is Connor Garland a likely buyout candidate this summer? He's a candidate. I don't know if he's likely. If we were to power rank the likely buyout candidates for the Canucks, is Connor Garland in the top three? No, not in the top three. So, I w who would it be then? There's probably... Off the top of my head, I can think of Pearson. We've talked about OEL. That's not a realistic one. Yeah. Too early for OEL at yeah. this point. The easiest one is Riley Stillman because you're only paying one-third. 
It's like the Vertanen buyout. Yeah, it's it's not it's not a lot. I mean, it's not like it's nothing. It's, it's I think it's like uh, two or four hundred k total yeah. for the life of the contract. So basically, you get a two hundred thousand dollar cap hit this year and a two hundred thousand dollar cap hit next season for the player. But you're saving the majority of that contract. And given how he hasn't been able to play, I, I mentioned when the team organized when they acquired him that there was some hope that if he plays well, they can flip him at least for something. The way it's going. That's probably not likely. You can bury the whole contract in the minors if you wanted to, but it's more about the cash savings. Right. Where you're getting 1.1 million in cap space, which is the same as burying him, but you're getting $900,000 off your books. So you can sign an equivalent player in free agency for making like on a two-way contract, making 300 in the minors or something, 700,000. So any way you slice it, you're going to save a few hundred thousand dollars on your books if you buy out Riley Stillman and and why not consider that? So I think he's pretty high up. Yeah. The guy that I'm most curious about, and it all comes down to his health, is Tucker Pullman. Because I wouldn't be shocked, guys, if Tucker Pullman is healthy and gets cleared, that he gets bought out in the summer. Like, we keep hearing about buyouts. Who are they buying out? That's the one I look at and say, if he actually gets healthy and they can buy him out, he would be a candidate that makes sense. So you save quite a bit of money if you buy out Tucker Pullman on his contract as well, because he has no signing bonus money. So if you buy out Tucker Pullman this offseason, if if able to, it's only you get a two million dollar cap saving. Yeah. So two million this year, two million next season, then it's a million on the books the, ne- the the following two years. But for next year, if you buy out Stillman and you buy out Tucker Pullman, that opens up three million in cap space for you. It's a pretty good player you could get. Yeah. Or at least some flexibility for you to do yeah. some stuff. So people are wondering how do you bring Kuzmenko back and how do you bring Horvat back? Right now the Canucks have what? 16 million in cap space, something along those lines. Yeah. Let me just look this up, and it's going to change slightly. But yeah, it's about it's about roughly 16 million in cap space. And a lot of players already under contract. Mm-hmm. Open up another three million. There's your pathway if you really wanted to to bring everybody back. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying they're going to do that, but for all the people wondering, it's like, can you bring Kuzmenko back? There's no way they can do this. Do those two buyouts. And if Pullman doesn't need to be bought out, he goes on LTIR for two yeah. and a half million. That opens up more money for you. But preferably, this organization wants to be under the cap because then you can accrue money. And if guys hit roster bonuses, you can pay them out this year instead of tagging into next season. It's just much cleaner to handle your books if you can get guys off LTIR. But those are the two I, I really keep a close eye on. When you're not in a uh, pandemic flat cap situation, uh, <laughs> which the league won't be for much longer, we hope, you'd prefer to be under the cap unless you're a team that is you know a real stanley cup contender and then maybe you're you're doing everything you can to squeeze every dollar out of your out of your situation for sure and somebody's asking us isn't a sixth or seventh round pick or a fifth better than a buyout spencer of course but i mean if you can't get that i mean yeah if you can't if you can trade riley stillman and get it off the books yes of course you do that even if it's for nothing you get the money off your books same thing with tucker pullman so, I mean, or if you want to package them together. And the thing is, Tucker Pullman makes $2.5 million. He's owed $5 million the rest of his contract. Yeah. The cost of doing that is going to cost you at least a second-round pick. Uh, so, yeah, not not easy, necessarily. And, you know, look, Canucks are one of the worst defensive teams in the, in the league, and this guy can't get into the lineup. It's not going to do much for his trade value, right? Mm-hmm. It's pretty obvious right there. On the Garland front, though, I get it. I, kn- I know where, you know, that sort of came from today. I, I just, I would think that's almost a failure if the team has to buy out Connor Garland. Like he he's, yeah. he's too good of a player to have to buy him out. He's still in his mid twenties. He's not that I know bad. he's having a tough season, but come on. Yeah. That would be a failure on the team if they have to go down the path of buying out 
Connor Garland. It just doesn't make a lot of sense. It's a fairly affordable contract. It's a guy that you should be able to move. Even if you're not getting a much of a return, that's still better than having to buy the player out. Well, you have. So if you buy him out, though, you save $4 million on the cap next season and the year after. Yeah. And then it's four years of $1.8 million on the cap. Yeah. So you do get significant savings for the next couple of years. But I just don't I don't see that being the one. The one that's most interesting is OEL. Because that's the one that gives you the most cap space that comes back a bit later on. But the cost of doing it is $19 million. Is ownership going to say yes? That's the one. It's like that one may, may make the most sense. That one opens up a lot of flexibility. Yeah, yeah. you got to pay some of it back later. But what you can do with that money this year and the opportunities it presents for you are there. But how willing is the owner to pay somebody $19 million? He's owed 30 Pay him 19 close to $20 million to not play for you. Uh, it's not like uh, the OEL contract isn't like uh, the Myers or the Louis uh, contracts that were buyout proof. Um, so uh, at least there's that with the OEL deal. He would be on the books until 2031 if he got bought out this summer. Yeah. Like, be like Rick DiPietro. <laughs> yeah. The cap is going up eventually. Yeah. It would be 4.76 yeah. cap hit for 2025, 26, and 27 Yeah, as well. And then it goes down to two. Yeah. It's still it's significant. Mm-hmm. But at that point, it'll be less significant. Yeah. A uh, few more here. Brett, hypothetical. Would you rather win every face-off in every game, or would you rather have last change in every game, and I assume still be able to win some of the face-offs? All other NHL rules apply. Have last change, I guess? Yeah. I'm thinking last change, because I'd love to see... You have to like dig into this a bit deeper, but it comes yeah. down philosophically how much you value face-offs and how much you value matchups mm-hmm. and value your chance to get the players you want out there whenever you want them out there. I tend to think your ability to dictate the matchups and who you put out there is going to have more of an impact than winning than the draws. face-offs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't. Not, it's not that face-offs are um, unimportant. There is a bit of an overrated element to face-offs mm-hmm. in, in the National Hockey League. So I'm definitely going to be on uh, last change than I would be winning every face-off in a game. Okay, uh, Gordy Locke, what are Reach's football picks this week? Oh, man. Is this because of uh, my, my streak on the uh, on the power picks? I By the way, so. Narrative Street definitely cashed Yeah, cashed night. again. <laughs> I didn't think they were going to block 16 shots. It blocked 24. One of them went into their own net. I yeah, know. Curtis Lazar and uh, and uh, Luke Shen, they were the big ones. I think they each had five last night. Big shouts to those guys. Um, my my football picks this week, can I haven't do- dived into the, the week too much, but I'm definitely on the uh, the Seahawks. Can you pick the Vikings as well if you're uh, <laughs> riding a hot streak? Uh, what are the Vikings? They're like, uh, they're, they're at the Bears this week. Yeah, I don't know what the spread is. Oh, probably a touchdown. Yeah, well, Nathan Peterman is starting for the Bears, so I don't know. <laughs> so take the Vikings. Yes. Or that seems like exactly the game the Vikings would probably make a lot more difficult than it should be. It would be a one-score game. <laughs> well, like every game it's this season? <laughs> it's going to be a field goal game. Uh, this one from JT. I don't think Miller. JT. How was Dan's first session at F45? Oof, I've done three now. Uh, very difficult. I'm very sore at this point in time. It's uh, It's been a tough go. 
I didn't realize how much I had let myself go in the last two months of the year, but now I'm feeling it. So I know I'm not alone in that, though. November rolls around, gets kind of gloomy. Holidays come hits. in. You you take every excuse to have some wine and maybe have too many desserts. Too they're, much pasta. They're gonna have to give you. Um, they have to give you something for all the plugs. I know, right? You gotta mention it to them. Okay, we'll just call it un <laughs> unnamed. We'll fitness call it Wahlburgers. Wahlburgers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> have you had Wahlburgers, by the way? I've never had it. No. Ben, I have. Oh, is it good? It's overrated. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's not bad. That's exactly what I would have thought. But it's, it's okay. Yeah. You just kind of go for the name. It for is the, a for sick the Snapchat name. It's story. a cool name. Just do a snap. That's it. Exactly. It's Donnie's uh, Donnie's uh, claim to fame. Everything's for the social media content now, isn't it? Wahlberg. Everything. Oh. Everything in life. If you don't post about it, sad or take a photo of it, you didn't do it. Right. Right. And if it's not a yeah, if it's not there on social media, it's actually it kind of sad. Yeah. It's true. If it's not on social media, it never happened. That's my favorite thing. Is like someone's like, you didn't tweet about this. I'm like, I'll just talk about it on the show. You got to tweet about it. I just spent two hours talking about yeah. this on the show. But you didn't tweet. Listen like, to the show. Download the, the podcast. Show. Download the podcast. Podcast. But if you don't say it on Twitter, it doesn't matter. It's like this world you live in is not real. You guys know this, right? <laughs> Listen to the show, and you'll get uh, the most inside Canucks info that you can find. Period. That, bottom line. That leads into our last question from Tim. What's the best Canucks Corbin? talk show? <laughs> and why is it Canucks Central? Why is it Canucks Central? Well, Sat delivers the goods, and then I just talk about food. So, oh, Well, I talk about food quite a bit. Yeah, I know. We both We do. talk about food a lot. Sat's always eating in between breaks. I'm so. always eating. <laughs> I'm, I can't wait to eat right now. <laughs> I'm thinking of dinner plans. I don't know what to dinner do. Plans. Dinner plans? Yeah, so we have some... We're, I got some plans. I got some stuff I got to do afterwards. We're supposed to go to dinner somewhere, but dinner's not decided. Oh. Yeah, it's like we'll figure it out later on. Are you a figure it out kind of dinner guy, or do you like to know where you're going? So I'm fine with figuring it out. The only issue is when you haven't figured it out yeah. and it gets later on and then you start <laughs> getting hungry and then you start getting cranky. It's just, it's like a recipe for disaster. Yes. So that's what I'm afraid of. Yes. <laughs> it's like, hey, yeah, sure. Let's go and do a few things and let's get some stuff. That is like the biggest mistake I I make every Euro trip. You know, you're like doing stuff, you're sightseeing. Yeah. And then you get to a point where you're like so hungry, you just find the first place that's to next to you yeah. to eat. And it's like, man. It's not good. Yeah. I'm in Italy and I just you. ate at a restaurant that's worse than places I could go to in Vancouver. What am I doing? <laughs> what am I doing? It's cost me how many euros? Are you a check the menu guy before you go to a restaurant? Absolutely. Yeah, 100%. Oh, no. Why? Like, 10 out of 10. So you, I, you don't like the element so like, of surprise? My buddy texted me. He's like, hey, we're going for dinner with this group of six tomorrow night. And I was like, okay, where's the restaurant? Someplace <laughs> on commercial. And I, was, I haven't been there. So I immediately Google menu. I know what I'm getting. I know there what cocktail I'm getting. Oh, I'm, wow. I'm dialed in. See, I don't go that far, but if I'm trying to choose where to go and I don't know a place, I will check it out. I, I'll check out the reviews. Reviews are big for me. Yeah. Check out the reviews. You got you to see, like, like uh, have there been rats in this place recently <laughs> or something I don't know about? You know, like, yes. you check that out. There might be something pretty big you may want to be you know, oh. aware of. Google reviews are big in, in my decision to go to a restaurant or not. I'm so, a big show up and figure it out guy. Yeah. Because I, I, every menu, I can usually find at least one thing that... Yep. If it's not a risky option, I can find a safe option. <laughs> I want to know what the specials are, you know. I, I'm not just like a... What's I'm your g- soup of the day? Yeah. See, this, the specials... So, 
specials can be good, right? Like, yes. Especially if, if you have like weekly things like, hey, Caesars on Tuesday, whatever. Like, you know, those things are good. But sometimes when I hear certain specials, I'm like, are they just trying to get rid of this stuff? Is that why it's a special <laughs> or is it actually a special, you know? Wow. <laughs> the worst soup you've ever heard of is yeah. a special today? It's like that scene from The Big Short. And they have the late Anthony Bourdain talking about, like, you know, making this uh, seafood soup. And it's like, well, all the leftover stuff is like, I can't throw this away. So we throw it in and make it a soup. And he was talking about how, like, that's, you know, what yeah. they were doing with the um, mortgages. It sounds like my uh, my nonno. He was, he was, uh, <laughs> it's so gross. But, like, uh, at the end of the week, he would just take all the leftovers in the fridge, throw it onto a pan, and make his leftover meal. Yeah, like a left leftover stew yeah. or like a soup or something along mm. those lines. Yep. Yum. Yum. Like yeah, like <laughs> refried beans are just the beans that were left over that they refried the next day. Like that's yes. what refried beans are, right? Pretty much. It's yeah. Saturday and you're throwing the Monday stuff in there. Like, yeah. Ah. Uh all right. Uh coming up, more on Canuck Central. That's next on Sports at six fifty.